0: The Paul Leslie Hour Helping people tell their stories And now, your host, Paul Leslie Hey, it's me Hello and welcome to the Paul Leslie Hour Thank you for tuning in Before we get into the interview I would be honored if you would consider going to ThePaulLeslie.com And clicking support the show There are quite a number of things I want to accomplish with the Paul Leslie Hour and you can help me get more of these interviews out there to the masses. It only takes a moment, and it makes a world of difference. Last but not least, tell someone about the Paul Leslie Hour. Let them know in whatever way you can. And now, let's get into the interview. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I'm honored To have an audience with two artists on this episode, we have Larry Campbell and Teresa Williams, both veteran musicians, performing and recording artists. In addition to their own projects, they've taken the stage together and recorded together. They've also shared the screen together. There is a 10-part docuseries. You can get it on Amazon. It's called It Was the Music. So it's a great honor to welcome Larry Campbell and Teresa Williams. How are you, folks?
1: Good. That was a very kind introduction.
2: Very nice, Paul. Good to be here. Thanks.
0: I'm honored to have you all. So what was this entire experience like for you all of of having your every move documented on camera?
1: It would have been better if we hadn't been exhausted almost every time. (laughs) And invariably, it would be a film crew in your house when you just come off of doing a bunch of one nighters, possibly even driving ourselves because you had, you would have had like two or me two hours of sleep and get up and um, yeah, have to face the day of these people. But fortunately, we became friends really fast with the guy, um, the director, Mark Moskowitz, and one of the executive producers, Steve Riggio. And that, so it ended, it ended up being fun. Just the hang, you know, was fun. So that ameliorated it a little bit.
2: Yeah, but the, you know, they 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 were real good at the fly on the wall thing. Yeah, you know? and um, we we got comfortable pretty quickly, where we would just sort of forget they were there after all the initial right. setting up and all that stuff, you know, and and um, I think as a result of that. They were. Mark was able to capture um, <laughs> who we really are on uh, on the side you want people to see and on the side you might necessarily <laughs> not want people to see. But it's natural and it's honest. You know? Yeah, that's so,
1: what, And Larry pointed out we spent a few years with the um, film crew following Levon. When we were working with Levon, they followed him around for, what, two or three years of making Ain't In It For My Health. So kind of got inured to the whole thing
0: yeah what has always been the purpose of the art you create
2: the purpose wow. oh, you're
1: going deep wow. right out of the shoe here
2: <laughs> well I okay so here's what I think I think it's the purpose where it starts is a is is a, a, it's born of a need for self-expression that's that there's um, the fertilization of the egg right there and then um and then it when when you start to kind of get a picture of the potential and the power of that kind of expression you start to think more outside yourself about how it's going to affect people that uh, who you want to move, you know, you want to move these people in a way that makes their day better, basically, or makes their life better in the smallest possible way, or makes, um, elevates their mood or helps them think about something, or, or um, you know, once you get a feel of of what your need for personal expression is doing to somebody else, you want to treat it with a lot of respect, and um, uh, you want to make that ex- that self expression something that that has a positive effect on the people that are going to be listening to you.
1: I'll say, the pandemic pause, wanted or not, has been deep for me. I needed it. I knew I needed it. I. Regret that it took a pandemic for me to be able to take the time that I needed because we had pushed and pushed for years and without kind of stopping and going, okay, we're entering a new phase of our life. This is how we're going to be living now for quite a while, a few years We just launched into it. It just felt like the train left the station and I was barely hanging on to the back end of the caboose, just barely with my hair and dress flying out behind, just barely hanging on. I would draw stick figures to that effect around that time. This was, um, oh, maybe around the time Levon died, maybe before even. We had started working on our first record before he died. Amy had started her solo career. Several, uh, uh, most of that band had their own bands anyway. But it just like when we got serious about our duo things, like the train left the station. And so I needed this break to just stop and think. And it's been really revelatory. I've, I've heard so many people in all walks of life say that. So many people. I was watching the Hemingway. PBS series, Ken Burns, as I guess a lot of people have, um, and and they talked about how he approached his work as like a sacred altar, and he really worked on it. I just feel if you – the whole goal of what we do for me is to live in this – hot white light of truth that that's the whole goal that's the only reason I ever started doing any of the performing I've ever done that I don't honestly I don't feel like there's a reason to live if I can't hit that every now and then it's it's like the only reason to be alive and so after we hadn't done any much work. I mean, you know, a couple little things online, or whatever, but not much really during this pandemic. And, you know, I'm dealing with a very heavy thing with taking care of my dad with Alzheimer's. It's, it's very deep. It's deeply meaningful. And it's also very stressful. My mother's alive, but she's also 85 and she's a dynamo, but she's had her own health issues. So it's just been this deep meaning And pause and being back in my home area longer than I've been since I left home, you know, as a teenager. And then yesterday we went down to Muscle Shoals and recorded a tune for the new Tony Rice, the tribute record. Uh We're not that far from we're like, a, you know, we're within a couple hours of Nashville, a couple hours of Memphis, a couple hours of Muscle Shoals. We're in this like love. I grew up in this great location, which, you know, at the time I had no clue. But (laughs) but now that I've left it and come back, I'm like, oh, that's that's pretty sweet. You know, so we're down there recording and it was so much fun just to be creating this song in the booth, you know, it was a, it's a song that uh, Peter Rowan wrote, Tony Wright and I did together, but to, to be creating it as Larry and Teresa, I, I can't, just like i i just reminded me i can't live without trying to find that moment of truth that flow wow that's a very long winded answer but you walked right into that for me i'm sorry that's so long winded but that really this is that question is a i've been pondering that this whole <laughs> di- pondering that during the whole pandemic pause yeah seriously
0: Well, something that people will get to see a lot in this docuseries is the two of you all making music together. What have you learned about one another by singing together?
1: It's a very sweet place to be. I think that's what attracted, not necessarily just the singing, but the music attracted us to each other. Well, that's what got us together to begin with. I mean, I heard him play before I even saw his face in the room with this little rehearsal. And, and I, well, I was kind of in, I, I joke and say in love at first note, but that's really true. Um, I heard him playing and I just, who are you? I mean, how do you understand? How are you so inside this music? Because I knew all those musicians were... <laughs> out of New York and I just couldn't understand how he could be that deeply inside something that was so Southern. And it went from there and it's just like, it's like a, a cradle. It's being in a cradle, our music together. And it's the glue of our relationship and, and, and back, it's to, the, very
2: intimate now, back, and
1: back to the other question, what the answer Larry was giving you about helping other people. I think you kind of can't think of it that way. I mean you do think of it of course when somebody comes up to you after you've done a song and 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 maybe you didn't feel like you gave a, a great performance and you weren't hitting that flow place but it was enough in your muscles that that this person it, it still got the the feeling across and the, a person comes up to you and says you know I had to leave the room it was that was so deep and painful for me hopefully in a good way. Yeah. But it was such a healing thing that I had to leave the room because of whatever, you know, had just happened in their life. So that's, that's definitely reaffirming, but I think you can't think that far ahead. You have to just shoot for that, that stark moment of truth in your soul. And if you can find that, then the other is lovely gravy. And that is really, you know, the purpose. You said the purpose. I think Larry's right. That is the purpose.
2: And and you know singing together, performing together, it's it adds this whole other dimension to a relationship. That you know it can be a recipe for disaster. That's that's more common than not, actually. When uh, when two people have a romantic relationship and they combine that with a creative and a business relationship, you know, there's a lot of pitfalls there, but. We have somehow managed to navigate all around that stuff and take and been able to take the, uh, the, uh, that the intimacy at its purity that is afforded to you when you can do something like this together. I mean, yeah, sure. I, I, there's no question I'm in love with Teresa. I always have been, but, but (laughs) the, the, uh, (laughs) this depth of, of, uh, this this connection we have we have the same taste in music basically, and what music does to her it does to me too. And when we can do that to and with each other, it's it's huge. It's just uh, it's a great thing to do.
0: You know, some of the things that are interesting I thought about the docu series is I'm a firm believer that Stephen Sondheim said that God is in the details. There's, there's little things. Definitely,
1: that,
0: yeah. There's little things Definitely. that. Definitely, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead.
1: I, I was accused once. Uh, I I was, you know, I I I've done theater also, and I was accused in a role by the costume designer of being. Too detail oriented, and I and she meant it as an insult, and I was mm. so flattered. I was like, "This, yes, that's the point. That's <laughs> a, how can you create any of this if you don't do the details? It has to be the meat is in the details in what we do, definitely."
0: Well, tell us a little more about that. That was one of actually one of the the things that they talked about. To- Talked about you talked about the, this background of musical theater. What what would you say that's given you
1: a well, lot? I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say musical theater. I would say theater. They didn't have a theater. musical theater department at school I went to. But I think people think because I sing that that was probably my thing. And and I did do some musicals because I like to eat, and there aren't as many plays. But I really wanted to. I what I went to study was straight up. You know. Shakespeare and Chekhov and, 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 you know, so, yeah, but I would, I, I ended up down the road being cast as a uh, mountain women and I liked that. That was fun too. Um, but the whole thing for me is needing to tell a story and living in that place of truth. I'm just going to keep hammering this today because it's just so much on my mind it's the point of singing a song. It's the point of uh, creating a role, just always going for that truthful moment. And if you can get there, there's nothing like it on earth. And because you're in it, it'll translate in the way that Larry's talking about. I'm repeating myself now, but yeah, it's all telling a story to me. The music with Larry's playing a solo he should be telling a story to me. It's not about finesse. I've had people say uh, about Lucinda Williams. Okay. Let's use that example about Lucinda Williams. I don't get it. She doesn't have a good voice. And I'm like, you are so missing the point. Anybody can, (laughs) who, who can write, write a phrase with the same lyric and sing over and over all the way to Jackson, I don't think I, I'll, I'll miss you much. All the way to Jackson, I don't think I miss you much. And then just break your heart with it. I don't care. How, I, I love her voice, by the way, but it's not. You know, I don't know who who is somebody with a
2: really pure, clear voice. It ain't Shirley Jones. Right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. I uh, that's a, she. Lucinda's a great example of of just getting the heart of the matter out there doesn't have to be pristinely beautiful, perfect voice that a voice teacher would love, you know. Doesn't matter. It's just getting that story out there. The truth.
0: <laughs> well that brings up something interesting, and that's something it has always fascinated me. Because when I think about singers that I like, where the way they sing it it really moves me. I can think of as Larry said, Shirley Jones. But then there's people like Randy Newman, and, uh, you know, there's so many different types of voices. But I'd like to know from both of you, what makes a great singer?
2: Well,
1: I I I think technique is one thing in any kind of art that you do. Technique, it's great to have technique. Uh, It's great to be a skilled guitar player who can, you know, it's great to be a skilled vocalist. But I think, or as an actor, to have all of your technique. But at the time you hit the stage or you get in front of the microphone in the studio, you drop the technique and you just go for the story you're telling, the truth of what you're trying to tell in that moment. Uh, And if you can't drop your thinking about the technique, you've missed the boat already. It has to be, you have to have done it so much that it's, it's not, you're not thinking about it.
2: Yeah, and and a and a great singer to me is someone who opens their mouth and you're you're hearing their soul, you know. There and, you go. And um, you know, there is wow. I'm mean, there's there's way opposite ends of the spectrum. The the other day for um, the um, the funeral over there in England, um, uh, the print the uh,
1: Prince Philip, play. Prince Philip,
2: yeah. That five voice <laughs> choir that was singing to him, I've never heard more beautiful, pristine vocals in my life. I was stunned at the beauty of that. It worked
1: for me. And
2: that was its own kind of beauty. But then you can, I can then listen. Then you have Lucinda Williams. Then you have Lucinda Williams <laughs> on the other <laughs> end of the Or Bob, you know? Yep, uh, there you uh, go. By, by all standards, Bob is 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 not a singer. But man, that guy can deliver a song when he wants to, and it gets right under your skin. You know, Bob Dylan. I mean, of course, um, you boots know, of
1: Spanish leather. Yeah, just just kill yeah. me now. Boots uh, of Spanish leather. I I.
2: Uh. And and you know, we Teresa and I had almost a decade of making music with Levon when he had when his voice was ragged and raw and and just decimated. But the man, every time he opened his mouth, even with that voice, he was there. It It, mattered. It was. It It mattered. Yeah, it was his soul that came out. I I always say there's there was no distance between who he is and what he was putting out with his voice. You know, if you got that, you're a great singer. I'm
1: just gonna boil it back down to the truth. You know, he just wouldn't put up with anything phony around him. If people came and were like trying to shine the audience on and, and be all, you know, full of their ego. We all got ego, but at some point you have to check it at the door and uh, you know, open the raw part of yourself out there. And if, if there's a lot of ego flashing around, before you know it, those people weren't around anymore. They weren't playing with him. Hmm. He kept uh he kept um, kind of a pure you know, we were trying. I put it that way. I'm I I don't want to yeah I like to think I try to go for the truth usually if you're on if it's a good day you you get there.
0: One of the things that anybody who reads about you all also who see the docu series is it's just amazing the cast of characters that you get to meet along the way. It's like you're a few minutes into the first episode, and it's like, oh, there's Bill Payne and then yeah. oh <laughs> <laughs> For you yeah. all, de- yeah. is there times you, you, I mean, you have been able to make music with just some incredible people, and are are there times you pinch yourself?
1: Yes. The first night that when Emmy Lou came and played at the barn.
2: At Levon's barn. At
1: Levon's. Mm-hmm. At Levon's she opened, and, and they had uh, some background together, and I was so excited. I wouldn't let myself listen to, this is so twisted. And Larry knows this. I wouldn't let myself listen to, re-listen to any of her material to refresh myself that she was there because I was afraid somebody would think I thought I was going to get to sing with her. And when I get to the rehearsal where just Larry was working. Uh, she, she had gotten Larry to help back her up for this. So she didn't bring it. She had a friend who lived up there and she used Larry. And I just kind of like was dropping him off. And she got me to sing and I thought I'd died and gone to heaven. I, I couldn't believe it. And then I was kicking myself because I hadn't refreshed myself on some of the stuff. But but that night we sang with her at the barn and Larry's like, you realize you're singing with Emmy Lou? And I was like, don't tell me, don't tell me, I won't be able to do it. And I just couldn't think about it that way. And then afterwards, after it was over, I could I was like a little kid. I couldn't go to sleep. I was so excited. It was like Christmas morning. I could not sleep for the rest of the night. <laughs> that was one of the early one of the very early rambles and we've since well larry probably was friends with her before but we've since become you know we've done we've done her charity thing with her before and a few things and you know consider her a friend and and she's mutual friends with our friends buddy and julie miller too so it's kind of all in the family at this point but yeah there was there are quite a few times where you were pinching yourself and 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 even still that that for me to go on and work with Jackson Brown and Phil Lesh. I mean, it's, it's, it's
2: unbelievable. It's, it's cool. And, 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 and what's really cool is finding out what great human beings these people are, aside from being uh, ridiculous musicians. All of, all of, all of them. And then to have a personal relationship with them. You know, Jackson's one of the coolest people in the world. Jorma Kalkin and Jack Cassidy. Phil, of course, you know uh, Elvis Costello, Emmylou. You know I, I, all these people whose music we admire and that moves us very deeply, and we get to know them and get to establish a relationship with them. And they're just, you know, their personalities match their artistic output, which is uh, it's a beautiful thing. Well, who is the
0: nicest person in the music business? That you've
2: <laughs>
1: that's that's a toss up between all these people we've named off <laughs> seriously is, yeah, yeah. really it's uh, we've just been very fortunate in working with really uh, yeah. really decent, sweet, intelligent people, most of whom I would just even if music weren't involved, I would take the job just to get to hang on the bus to listen to them expound you know on their worldly wisdom, seriously.
2: Yeah, um it's it's hard to put a crown on one person in that category, you know.
1: And um, most of them survived the 60s, so there's some, you know, and live to tell it. So there's quite if uh, talk yeah, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of worldly wisdom to impart.
2: Yeah, um uh, I, I all those people we mentioned, you know, can wear that crown. At, really? At, at, I'm not I'm not yeah, trying to be nice true. about yeah, it. Exactly. That's the truth. Yeah, um you know they'll have to pass it around, but
1: um, they know. walk the talk, all yeah, of them. It's true, uh, all, and all of them are so excited about, say, a new guitar, like John Sebastian, for example. He's like a little kid Christmas morning with it, <laughs> with a, a new instrument, and he's walking around showing everybody, here, pl- play this, want to play this, uh, <laughs> handing you his new instrument. Yeah. Um, but all of them are just like kids about the music. That's why they're who they are
2: when we were in uh when i was with dylan we did a a month of uh, touring in south america with with the rolling stones and um the hang was always in keith's hotel room after the shows you know and and you know to find out that he is still still has the enthusiasm of an 11 year old kid when it comes to music you know it's 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 uh, it's so, it's it's nothing less than completely endearing, you know. <laughs> to think a guy like that, still he would sit there and play Muddy Waters tapes and 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 uh, real old obscure Chuck Berry stuff and and um, you know a lot of the old country blues guys and and Hank Williams, you know, he'd be playing this music like like it was the first time he heard it, you know. And and um, that's a beautiful quality. Since you mentioned
0: Mr. Bob Dylan, I think we should tell everybody, and a lot of people know this already, but Mr. Dylan, Bob Dylan, is going to be turning 80 in just a few weeks now. And Larry, you toured with him and recorded with him. What do you think the public misses about Bob Dylan?
2: Well, it's a good question. Yeah.
1: Might depend on the generation.
2: Yeah you know, I mean, he'll, he's made his impact, you know, I mean, he, he, and it's, and it's something that can't be, can't be erased and can't be diminished. And, um, it kind of doesn't matter what he does with the rest of his life now. You know, for, for many, he was seen as a prophet back in, um, in, uh, in his, um, at the height of his thing. But, you know, that was that was an illusion and just a mirage. But he he was the right guy at the right time back then for social consciousness and music. He was sort of the template for that, and many have carried on that tradition since then. And, uh, you know, I don't think he's under any obligation now to continue that. But, you know, I'll tell you something. After, since I left his band, um, I hadn't paid much attention to what he was doing Um but I heard some tracks from his last record, uh, the one with the JFK thing, um, and um, and it just I you know it struck me again what what a brilliant artist this guy is. I mean, just he's one of a kind, and um, it just you know he is what he is. He does what he does. Nobody else does it, and he can put out nonsense every once in a while if he wants to. And, um, you know, he's got license to do that. I, I, but this was, this is not nonsense. What, you know, his latest output and, um, and it's, it's, it, you know, you hear, you hear, uh, characteristics of the old Bob Dylan in this record. And, and, and then again, it's something completely different that he's never done before. and, you know and and his whole career has been that yeah uh, you know many people have written about it about him reinventing himself each time he puts out a new volume of work but I don't know i you know <laughs> I guess the answer to your question is I don't know but but <laughs> um uh, <laughs> but uh, but i uh I think he has nothing left to prove if he is moved to continue artistic output, then it's it's only to our benefit, you know. That's the, then um, for those who will take the time to listen to it.
1: I really admire that somebody with that kind of talent, who earned his breath on Earth, you know, decades and decades ago, keeps earning that breath and keeps obviously passionately pursuing. The truth. The reason. Yeah, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry. yeah. It's 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 yeah. That I. It's just uh, very impressive. He, you know, he could sit home. He could have done that decades ago. Sit home and rest on his laurels, and he just keeps after it like all these other people we've been talking about. It, and then, it, uh, unbelievable gift, mm. Picasso or something. You know,
0: one of the things in the docu series that I really liked was getting to see how you all interacted with people. You know, somebody would come up to you and they would want to talk to you after the show. What is that experience like for you when somebody, they just saw a concert before the whole lockdown and everything, of course, but somebody would come up to you and they, they wanted to get to know you?
1: Can I tell this? We were having lunch at the Clearwater Festival and the, like the artist cafeteria thing with Joan Osborne. And <laughs> she, she said, you know, we're all, we're all doing the signing table now. And, and that's great. And she said, but don't, you know, don't you get like, she's talking to me, don't you get like, there's always like the drunk guy who just wants to hang on you and kind of <laughs> slobber on you. And, and, um and I it for a second and I thought, I said, yeah, but I just give them to Larry <laughs> because they're always the guitar slingers who just want to hang and slobber on Larry. <laughs> yeah, the guitar slingers. And then then we'll get the wives who tell me, My husband drugged me here and I couldn't stand the guitar, but you thank God you're telling stories in between because that saved the show for me. So you get all you get all of it. You know, I miss that. I'm missing I'm missing the signing table. And sometimes they have trouble getting me out there because like, I don't know, in the film, I think we talk about we were supposed to sing the national anthem the next day at the Rangers or something, New York Rangers. (laughs) And then, and I'm just, you know, you can't, you can't stand there and talk for an hour because you won't have a voice next day. You've just done a two hour show full on. And you, you know, you got to have a voice for like really singing. Yeah, so that I have that fear sometimes, but when, when they get me out to the signing table, they can't get me away from the signing table because <laughs> I'm having such a good time talking to people. I do. And people come up and give you little gifts and things that I still treasure. It's it's like I had one woman put a bracelet of hearts and little, little charms on it, very meaningful, and she just pressed it into my hand and looked at me. With all this meaning, emotion in her eyes, and didn't say a word and walked away. Just mm-hmm. Stuff like that, I, I, am um, blown away, and I, I, do, I miss that connection.
2: But, but as I was saying, in, in the first question, you know, why we do this, or what does our music mean? You know, when, when, when somebody comes up to you after a show, and they're, they're either in tears or they're Buoyant, or, or they're they're obviously moved by something you just did. There's nothing like that. There's nothing. The personal satisfaction you gain from that is totally unique. You've helped this person in in a small way, in a small, relatively insignificant way. But but you've done something by from your need for self-expression that has helped that has made this person's day better
1: it's just passing it along because the music did that to us when we were growing up and you're just kind of you know the conduit passing it along really that that whole experience
2: and and, and getting that feedback from um from your audience is uh it's yeah. it's worth its weight in gold
1: yeah yeah <laughs>
2: So,
0: what is on the horizon for Larry and Teresa?
2: There's a great question, Paul. <laughs> yeah,
1: my, my, my pandemic pause is looking at all of that.
2: Yeah, that we sure um, we uh, we got to figure it out. You know, um, we have a we have a live album we recorded at Levon's Barn two years ago that was due out last spring, but because we couldn't go out and promote it, we put it off, and that's that is gonna see the light of day sometime this year. I have Um,
1: to say that was a, that's a really fun record too. Yeah.
2: yeah. Um, It was fun
1: making it, it's fun to listen to.
2: So that's, we gotta figure out the strategy for um, getting out there around that record. Um, I'm writing again, um, and- uh, Oh,
1: he made me cry just a few days ago, like at breakfast, he said, let me play this song for you. Oh, I was, I was (laughs) weeping.
2: Yeah, that's in a good way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in a good way. <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah, and um,
1: and it's COVID related, uh, but not in words. Just in that um, it's about something that happened while he was sick with COVID. So and it's and, a happy thing. Anyway, yeah, and it's we, happy.
2: <laughs> we want to we hopefully get another studio record done before the end of the year. The issue right now, and it's it's a big one, is uh, Teresa's need to be helping with her father. So a a lot of stuff has to be balanced out before we can have a tangible plan for getting back out on the road. But but we're gonna, you know, we have to do it. We gotta get back out there again and we're gonna figure out how to do it.
1: It's all gonna be rolling back, all these opportunities out on the road.
0: I always like to at the end of the show. I, I like to give the guests the stage, and it's not limited to music. But I know people will be listening from all over the world. What would you all say to anybody who's tuned in?
1: Keep the faith. This is all going to pass, and uh, we're, we're all going to get through it. Just keep keep the faith. Just hang in there. We're, we're gonna. It's gonna. You know. We're gonna get past this. Yes. This too shall pass and we'll all be out there together at venues together again soon. I believe that.
2: We will. And, and I hope many of you have and will continue to use this time, you know, even when stuff gets back to normal, to find the thing that you're most passionate about and dive deep into it and make that the focus of the rest of your life.
1: <laughs> wow, we're heavy. We need to come up with some jokes, don't we? We're being too heavy today, Paul. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you one little lighthearted thing. When I was watching one of the episodes of the docuseries, it was the music. You know, one of the things I thought, it must be weird to just have your your every little moment being vivid videotaped, there was this scene where Larry's on the couch and he was eating these little—I think they were like little chocolate-covered almonds or walnuts or something. And I was watching it on my couch and I—I I was snacking and I looked <laughs> and it was the same exact product which I had gotten from Marshall. And I was like, <laughs>
1: "That's so funny." That is funny.
2: Yep. Well, Teresa spends a lot of time in Marshalls. I can tell you that. (laughs) All right. You got him there too. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's weird to be, you know, to be, to have those moments where, where you're just being you and, and, um, you know, to have that put out there in front of the whole world is, uh, you know, but, it is it is great the one thing you know I keep saying this too I think we're incapable of seeing this series with any form of objectivity yeah, um, of it, except to the degree that we're able to tell that Mark Moskowitz put his heart and soul into this and and his he presented us uh, with no frills with no uh with, with no the uh the, sugar coating yeah and and <laughs> you know the good and the bad exactly as it is it's a complete and total honest depiction of who we are and what we do and that's that's mission accomplished right there you know?
0: well everybody can check it out it's on amazon and also check out larry and and thank you all so much for spending time with me i really appreciate the chance to interview you all
1: I'll bring some jokes next time, for goodness sake.
2: <laughs> Paul, uh, uh, great questions, man. Really uh, really well done interview, I think. So thank you. Thank yeah, you. Yeah,
1: thanks. Thanks. It's a pleasure.
0: Next time, I, I'll, I'll, I won't start out so heavy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It's the audience can take it. <laughs> All right. One good good thing about being down here in Tennessee during the pandemic is my mother makes it, she drives me crazy. And at the same time, she makes me laugh harder than anybody I've ever met in in my entire life. I mean, rolling in the (laughs) floor laughing. So there's, there's laughing going on every day down here in the midst of our little Alzheimer's world. So (laughs) that's, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Keep laughing, keep singing and laughing.
0: (laughs) All right, folks. I really appreciate it until next time.
2: All right, Paul. Thanks for doing Thank this, and we we'll hope to shake your hand one of these days. You. Oh, I'd love it. All right.
0: Until next time.
2: Okay, bye now. Ba-ba-ba-da-beep, boop da da beep but i, leap, I, it to I walk a <laughs> <laughs>